Welcome to the Two Top Podcast, the weekly podcast where we go over different topics in the world. I'm your host, Thomas Lance, and I'm here with my co-host, Matt Berg. How's it going? You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Make sure to follow us on Twitter to stay updated on the latest episodes. Now let's dive right into this week's episode of Two Top. All right, we're back for another week of Two Top. And you know what, Matt? We're going to dive right into it, to something that has been long forgotten in the world. But what's funny is it's not completely gone, but you probably haven't heard of it recently. Do you know the World's Fair? I read a book on the World's Fair a couple months back for school. The first one was in London in 1851. And since then, they've been happening every couple of years, and they're still going on today. With Expo 2025 being scheduled to be in Canada. Whoa. So they're still going. They're still going, but they've kind of changed from what they once were. So the goal originally was to help people around the world come together to find out cultures around the world and innovations in science and entertainment, which is interesting because the reason they've kind of declined is because now we have the internet and we have TV, so you don't really have to go out. And it was kind of the tech convention for the everyday man because anyone could go to this. Now, this started around the Industrial Revolution because this was the time that new inventions were coming out. Electricity was now a thing. Steam energy. London, I mean, they were the first one to really dive into the industrial era. Hence why they hosted it first, because they wanted to show off all the stuff they had. The thing is, it's kind of dying, but still around. It's related to the Olympics and the United Nations. It's something that brings the world together. Like, even during war, like in World War II, there's the famous images of the U.S. runners running under the Nazi flags of Germany. These things bring people together, and that's what the World's Fair did. Now, countries as similar to the Olympics, um, they could choose not to participate in the World's Fair. But those who did could erect a pavilion that characterized their country, which is why World's Fairs are so present in my current studies. Because it's a big thing in architecture to be the guy to design the pavilion for a world's fair. You're representing a country, right? Exactly. Which is why I wanted to learn so much about this because we spent weeks studying the Barcelona pavilion. Those world's fairs were more than just showing off new tech. It was also the expression of art and architecture and music, food. The World's Fair had it all. It was new in every department. I mean, I know we talked about Polaroid last week. Polaroid's big thing is they actually showed off the world's first 3D movie in 1939 at New York. Wait, was it 1939? Let me double check my notes. Yeah, 1939, The World of Tomorrow. That brings me into my next thing. Each one had a different topic in a sense. Just like we have topics for two top, these World's Fairs had different topics. So you have in 1876, the Horsepower World's Fair. And in 1939, it was the world's of, World of Tomorrow. And I have a nice chart here talking about some other interesting ones. So the first one was called the Great Exhibition, and it was held in London. And then they kind of were called exhibitions here and there, but they had different themes. So the first one was the Industrial Revolution, obviously. And then the next one, four years later, was in French, and it was for agriculture. And we have industry, agriculture, culture, and new tech. 
like those were the main ones, but you have some interesting ones in there too. Like in 19, 1904, the United States held one in St. Louis to celebrate the Louisiana Purchase. Mm. So it's it's interesting because you do have your like things that are normal, like the new industry, but you also have some weird themes in there as well. Like in the 1935 Brussels International Expedition, um, they're all about transportation. And then the one after that in Sweden, it was all about aviation. And then in 1938, before the Second World War, they were talking about aerospace, even before rockets were a thing. So in a sense, the World's Fair was always on the leading edge of things. What's interesting also to point out as we're looking at the chart is they kind of all are in a couple countries. They're either in Britain, France, United States, or surprisingly, Belgium. Belgium has a lot of world's fairs. Now, the one that is probably more prevalent to us would be the ones that happen here. So I want to talk about it a little bit. The first one in the United States was, as I said, in Philadelphia in 1876, a hundred years after our Declaration of Independence. And it was a big deal. We planned it. So, hey, when we turn a hundred years old, we want the world's fairs on our turf. It was all planned out to work like that. So, as I said, to commemorate the 100th anniversary of founding the United States, the American Centennial Exhibition was the first official World's Fair held in the U.S. Among the exhibits was this extraordinary technical marvel, a 1,500-horsepower carousel steam engine, which powered all the exhibits at the fair. So, one engine powered everything at the fair. And that was like the big technical masterpiece. It was actually turned on by the then president, Ulysses S. Grant. Ah, good old President Grant. So that was kind of our industrial revolution. That was our prime of back then. So the next one, the the next major one, because we've had some in between, was the United States World's Fair in New York City, 1939, The World of Tomorrow. Which, if you see any movie involving the World's Fair, pretty damn sure it's going to be that one. The one in Captain America that the young Bucky and young Steve Rogers go to. That's the World's Fair of 1930, uh, 1939 in New York. Uh, Tony Stark's dad hid an element in the framework of the 1939 World's Fair venue, I believe. It might have been something else. But if you see a movie with the World's Fair in New York, they're referencing this one. And it was, it was a big deal. The idea of the dawn of the new day for New York. And it was inspired by tons of modernist structures like Trinal and the Perisphere. The Perisphere is that... You, have you ever seen a big dome of the world, but it's kind of made the oceans see-through? Like there's nothing there. Yeah. And then you have... Well, okay, let me explain a little bit. So oh. you have a you have a metal dome. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that are on the dome are the continents. I, I can picture it. I know what you're it's talking like, about. It's like, I think there's one in Epcot in the middle of the lake. Mm-hmm. But that's the one in New York. The main point of the World's Fair is to promote new ideas. And since the mid-19th century, over 100 World's Fairs have been held in over 20 countries around the world. Now... 
one interesting thing I wanted to point out is it came back to New York like 30 years later in the 60s. And guess who helped run it? Good old Walt Disney. Oh. Walt Disney wanted to show that, hey, look at what I can do. I can make parks. Come support my park. It's being built down in Florida. No, it's being built out in California at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, hey, investors, look at this cool fair I made. Mm-hmm. How about you send some money my way and we can work together to build this fair over in California. To <laughs> Everybody knows now. Yeah. Everybody. You have like Ford in this, in that world's fair, you had actually a bunch of iconic things that are in Disneyland today. You know the it's the small world after it's a small yep. world after all. That ride that was at that World's Fair. Really? That was the American booth. That was the American pavilion. That ride, because pavilions don't just have to be an architectural representation. They are also things. And have you? I don't. I wasn't when I went to Disney when I was younger. I didn't go through this. But have you ever seen the carousel of like the future? The future time carousel that kind of like shows what the future families will look like. Yeah. That was also at that place. And the animatronic George, um, the Abra- not, not George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, which is so famous by Disney because that was like the start of animatronics in those, these Disney parks. All these, in a sense, were Disney trying to create a name for himself in the park making thing. He's like, hey, come along. Even Ford, the automotives, they are the ones who did the trolley system around the fair. A cool thing I learned about the World's Fair is that it's pretty much an amusement park on steroids. Like, it's everybody get together and we're going to create something awesome. But what's sad is it's kind of declined because it's not something that people from all over the world travel to now. I mean, people still do, but if I want to find something out, I can just Google it. And another thing that's kind of sad is we, America ourselves, we don't really put too much prevalence towards that anymore. We no longer put funds towards it. If an embassy is in the country of the fair, we do not use embassy funds. We kind of have pushed more for corporations to show off for us. So it's become not only like a world's fair for different countries, but it's also become a fair for big commercial powerhouses to show off stuff as well. Like, you know, if you go to one of these, there will be a Coca-Cola booth. There will be a Samsung, a General Motors. Like, that's what it's turned into nowadays. So I just wanted to point out some recent World's Fair to show that, hey, they're still around. So you say 2025? Is that what it was, the next one? The next one is in 2025. Actually... There's one going on right now. Why aren't we there? there? uh, The problem is it's in Kazakhstan. Oh, yeah. But see, they're talking about future energy there. Okay. But that's going on from the 6th June to August. Okay. Right now. Yeah. So if you want want to grab a ticket. Head head over to Kazakhstan. Yeah. Well, the thing is, this is more of a, actually, as I'm looking closer, this is more of a specialized expo. It seems like they're themed, like you said, energy, right? There's bigger like world expos, like the last big world expo was in 2015 because they kind of happen at the 
they happen at weird times. There's no like, you know, the Olympics is every four years. Mm-hmm. The World's Fair, which is now kind of the World's Expo, kind of just happens. Not as big of a following, I guess, like the Olympics, but yeah. it still happens. I guess when they can get everything organized and funds together, that's when it happens. Well, a couple cool facts are interesting about the World's Fair is a lot of monuments that we know today came out of the World's Fair. Like the Crystal Palace in London. Well, it's gone now, but it was a very famous structure in London at the time. We have, I mean, for Pete's sakes, we have the Eiffel Tower. The Eiffel Tower was made for the World's Fair. And look at it still staying today. It's one of the most major things in Paris. One close to my heart in Belgium, I've actually seen it, is the, oh, my mom's going to, slaughter slaughter me for saying go for it it's the otoma uh uh the automaton it's pretty much a bunch of balls in the shape of an atom but it's a big tall structure that is it's actually the shape of a crystal like crystalline structure Mm -hmm. you know how like crystals form together it's supposed to be an exploded version of that so it still stands today the space needle in seattle has also one oh really Oh, another one. I personally have not been there, but um, do you know the Japanese tea garden in San Francisco? Mm, sounds familiar. That was another one that came out of the expo. So there are prevalence. Now, hopefully the fair will have a resurgence. That's what I'm looking for. Well, if it's local, not in Kazakhstan, or where's the 2025 one being held? The 2025 one is held in Canada. Canada. Well, I guess that's pretty close. You yeah. know, it's a bordering country. So maybe we should go check it out when it's around in eight years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll be alive. A, we'll lot be of time, a lot of time to plan out a trip. Yeah. But yeah, the World's Fair. I'm familiar with it because, like I said, I did read a book in school on it on the 1893 World's Exposition, Exposition and World's Fair, whatever they called it, of Chicago. Oh, and yeah. there's a big statue of, um, I guess, a god. Maybe it was like Minerva or something a golden statue that's still there in the park that it was held at. Um, yeah, it was an elaborate, crazy thing. And the book was, um, I didn't like the book too much, but it was telling the tale of an architect. And also there's a serial killer that did his stuff during the world fair. I did read about that while looking this over, uh, like America's first major serial yeah, killer. H.H. Holmes. Yeah, he was, was the Jack the Ripper of America, I guess. And that he, thrived because of the world's exposition of 1893 so the previous um couple years before the chicago world's fair of 1893 there was the paris world fair where the eiffel tower was revealed and it was the most elaborate structure on earth at the point so what happened was chicago felt like they had to live up to the expectations so that's where the first carousel or i'm sorry no no no, i'm sorry not first carousel the very first ferris wheel was invented oh, okay, at the okay. Chicago's World Fair of 1893. And that's, it was like a huge, huge one. Like full, like 20 people could go on like one car of this Ferris wheel. It was ginormous. And they actually didn't finish in time. They finished it toward the end of the fair. And it was crazy. So a lot of things are, it's like a CES, but like a global technology convention and industrial. And it's it's a really cool concept. And I think... Like you said, there should be like a resurgence of these world's fairs and we should be able to go. Yeah, I I don't see why not, but only time will tell. Only time will tell. Well, Matt, what do you have for me this week? 
I completely forgot I had to go into a topic. Yeah. Today, I gave my topic a name. And it's a little, it's a song reference. Cigarette Daydreams. Cigarette Daydreams. <laughs> you were only 17. Yeah. Okay. So a little Cage the Elephant reference. Love Cage the Elephant. Love that song. It's one of my all-time favorite songs. If you like Cage the Elephant, kudos to you. So I called this because, in a sense, I was daydreaming the other day. And it has to do with cigarettes. That's actually the main topic, like cigarette and the flame behind it. So here's a little anecdote. This is how I got this topic. It actually happened yesterday. Yesterday, my buddy AJ and I were talking out by the uh, big barn where we hold stock for like landscape materials and all that. And it's work. And there's this guy, Dylan, not the brightest guy. You know, he smokes and stuff. Not That's not why he's not bright. It's just he was smoking. But the thing that truly showed his intelligence was a car came around and he had to go handle it. He's smoking a cigarette. It's halfway done. He puts his cigarette on top of this frame. And this frame holds maybe 20 cans of propane oh. to operate forklifts. Forklifts run off these big propane tanks. They're about maybe like 80 pounds a tank. It's a big, big protein pro, um, protein. It's propane tank. It's huge. So he puts his half smoked cigarette that's lit and it's smoking on this propane tank and my buddy aj and i both make eye contact and we're like well we're out of here <laughs> so we walk around and we're just like that was the most crazy thing i've seen crazier things but that was outrageous so we're just, I, it just got me wondering like if that blew up the whole entire warehouse is a essentially a giant explosive because there is diesel tanks there is gasoline tanks there is oil gasoline mixture tanks there's a bunch of hay there's fertilizer do you know what that would be if one thing went it would be everything that sounds like uh, a fire hazard yes and everything is contained but i think if that many propane tanks and gasoline diesel tanks whatever exploded everything else is going to go eventually even if it's not all at once even if they're con contained hopefully the fire department can get to that facility on time and put everything out so it just got me thinking a lot. And I did a lot of research because the variables of gasoline, vapor, airflow, and temperature of the cigarette are actually difficult to calculate when it's being put in a like hostile like fumes or gasoline environment, like if you drop a cigarette into something. But the probability is extremely low that you will go up to, into flames if you toss a cigarette into like a pool of gasoline. Really? Yeah, you think it would just light up instantly. Yeah. But the more I think about it, I kind of get where you're coming from now. It's like a liquid, you know? Yeah. And you think about it, like water puts fire out instantly. It snuffs it. It takes the oxygen out, which is one of the main factors of a combusted flame. Combustion needs oxygen to fuel the chemical process. Right. So we've all seen it in the movies, you know, a hero or villain throws a cigarette into a trail of gasoline and it blows everything up. Well, it's, a, it's a really badass way to, oh, it's yeah. a, usually in slow motion too. Yep exactly like into like one last puff of the cigarette and throw it onto the gas don't look back keep walking <laughs> you know you're a badass hero at that point so in in that scenario the gasoline instantly ignites from the cigarette and flames like race across the surface so it's pretty incredible in the movies but can it happen in real life in short not really it won't happen because the conditions need to be absolutely perfect um so let's take a closer look so cigarettes tend to burn at approximately 800 to 1100 degrees Fahrenheit. It can get even hotter during a particularly long, like 
sucking on the cigarette. That's when it gets hot with more oxygen. Right. Essentially, you're providing more oxygen to the fire to burn faster and hotter, thus eating the cigarette faster, and it releases more smoke, I guess. Um, I'm no smoker, but the people I work with smoke, and they're some of them aren't the brightest, as I explained. Um, so now the ignition temperature of gasoline is actually much lower than what the cigarette burns at. It's roughly 495 degrees Fahrenheit. So you wonder, like, oh, well, cigarette's hot. Of course it's going to catch instantly, you know? So on paper... This means it should ignite quickly. But however, researchers have proven that it's actually highly unlikely. When a cigarette is not being smoked, the temperature drops considerably, making it harder to ignite. So it's going to be on that low end of what 800 to 1100. It's going to be even below that. Interesting. Gasoline is dangerous due to the flammability of the fumes specifically, not the liquid. The liquid's going to snuff the cigarette. You can actually go on YouTube and find videos of people dropping cigarettes into cans of gasoline and it instantly puts the the cigarette out a previous manager for the company i work for he was kind of crazy himself he dropped one of his cigarettes into a can of gasoline one day just to prove a point that it wouldn't ignite i wasn't there that day i'm maybe i'm glad i'm not i wasn't there that day but i heard the story and i actually believed it you know yeah because you know just like it's a liquid it snuffs the oxygen and i know fire needs oxygen to combust so when gasoline goes up in flames, the fumes from the liquid are the main burning agent. When the liquid isn't in a contained space like the open air of a gas station, it would be nearly impossible for the lit cigarette to ignite those fumes. You still don't want to take a risk, though, I'm just yeah. going to say, because you could catch the fumes, you know? Like some people say, you can do the can, drop it in a can, and it won't ignite. But if you like cover the can up and leave it out in the sun and let it marinate, you know, and the fumes like form in the can and kind of ball up in a cloud... And then you throw it in, I think you're going to get a different result. Right. It, it's all situational. It depends on what the... There's so many variables. It's more than just throwing a cigarette into a bucket. It's Is there fumes? Because, as you said, the fumes are a major part. And it's like, mm -hmm. is there oxygen available for the cigarette to light? How hot is the cigarette? Is the cigarette still a flame? It's all these things factor into it. But it's also not going to get you right away there's some super specific factors like um the, for reasons the gasoline won't light including rapid formation of ash on the cigarette could prevent it there's also the petroleum vapor naturally convex away from the lit area like it pushes away making it impossible to light so one particular study uh they did two, over two thousand different scenarios with different cigarettes and different gasoline setups and not a single attempt resulted in the gasoline catching on fire. That must have been a scary day in the lab. <laughs> I know, right? I know. So it's really implausible. So that made me wonder, well, okay, that's gasoline. Similar to diesel, gasoline is actually higher flammability rate than diesel is. But what about propane and gases? Because that's what the good old Dylan put his cigarette on top of, a case of 20 big propane tanks that were full. Yeah, that's that's the facts we're looking for. So the propane actually, anything from like natural gas, propane, or butane has the highest degree of flammability. There's actually a chart, which I pulled off my good friend Wikipedia. Um, there's a rating from zero to four. Can you guess what a zero rating, what, what substance would be a zero? To not be flammable? Yeah. Water? Yeah. <laughs> it's water. It's zero. Materials that will not burn at all. Okay? One. 
the rating of one means materials that must be preheated before they will ignite, such as lubricating oils, cooking oils. Um, moving on to rating number two, it's materials that must be moderately heated or exposed to re relatively high ambient temperatures before they will ignite, such as diesel fuel. Above that three being gasoline or acetone, where liquids and solids that can ignite under almost all temperature conditions, except with the cigarette. Because that's really specific. Yeah. The highest degree of flammability happens to be number four. Deadly number four. And you can guess what falls under number four. Propane. Oh, geez. So anything from natural gas, propane, butane. Materials which will rapidly vaporize at atmospheric pressure and normal temperatures or are readily dispersed in air, which burn readily. So that just made me realize how close I was to a very deadly situation your your uh your co-worker dylan um he, sh he should probably not do that <laughs> that's probably not in the best interest of everyone involved that's just another classic scenario of you know some some work anecdotes i have that's <laughs> pretty crazy right? it's still a pretty funny story because that's something out of like a cartoon or something oh, someone yeah. putting a lit cigarette on a thing of propane oh, but yeah. you actually witnessed it firsthand <laughs> yeah right in front of me so and now, even just talking about it now, I realize how crazy that is. Yeah. That's the, insane. The more you explain it, the like more insane it gets, the fact that that even happened yeah. and the, the risks that were involved. But hey, you're okay. I'm okay. You're okay. We're, we're all okay. okay. <laughs> Let's go celebrate at the World's Fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, good stuff this week. I loved it. Well, I guess that's all we have. Yeah, I'm, I'm beat. I'm tired from uh, getting through our topics now. Well, anyway, guys, thanks for listening to this week. I hope you learned something. Yeah, thanks. Join us next week. Yeah, see ya. Bye. Farewell. Adios. This was Two Top, an independently created and run podcast created by Thomas Lance and Matt Berg and produced by Thomas Lance. Two Top is currently a non-funded project recorded weekly. For general inquiries or feedback, contact us at twotoppodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, and join us next week for another Two Topics. Hey everyone, I just want to let you guys know that we are now on Stitcher. Stitcher is radio on demand, and you can download the free app today from any app store. They have thousands of shows for you to discover, and you can throw them in your own custom playlists. You can find them on iOS and Android and the Google Play Store. They're on demand and on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory, and you can stream all your favorite podcasts, including Two Top. So if you don't have Stitcher, I suggest you download it from the app store. And while you're there, it would help our show if you left a rating and a review. That's Stitcher, radio on demand.